cash. How do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Straight Cash Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Graff, sitting here alongside John Krasinski at U.S. Bank Stadium after the Vikings' 28-12 win over the Atlanta Falcons in the season opener. And, John, I want to start with the important stuff. Uh, a little bit of behind the scenes for the listeners. We're occasionally spoiled, something I, I think you would admit. Uh, and in the case of the Vikings, that means getting pizza delivered to the press box following games. Tonight, uh, we had Black Sheep Pizza, my personal favorite. You are Minnesota born and bred. Yes. You've got the institutional knowledge that we all seek. Uh, am I correct in the black sheep assessment? And, and if not, why are you wrong? No, I think you are correct about that, Chad. Um, I, I will say that black sheep won me over because previous to its arrival in the Twin Cities, I was probably more of a Luce guy. Okay. Um, and they would bring Luce regularly here. Solid and, choice. Um, it's a great choice. Um, but the coal-fired... Thinner crust um, has definitely won me over over the last couple of years. Now, I'll have it with a major caveat. I still have not been to Young Joni in oh. Northeast, which is like <laughs> ridiculous, but I have two young kids, so don't judge me. But um, until I get there, Black Sheep is definitely the favorite one uh, that I have around here. Yeah, well, Young Joni is very solid, and, and soon I will uh, go down that path of parenthood and skipping all of the great restaurants in town. But I did want to obviously get to this game with you. The Vikings, um, you know, looked pretty good. I think we could say throughout the preseason and, and had, I think, a pretty solid training camp. No real injuries to speak of. A little bit of drama, but that was mostly limited to the kicker punter situation. As they opened up the season, what were you expecting, and, and did it live up to those expectations? Well, I, I really didn't know what to expect, Chad. I mean, I think uh, we were all pretty bullish on the team coming in you know, from our season preview. I think all of us were around the 10-win mark um, in, in picking them to do that. But from what I had seen in the preseason, I did not have a good feel. Like, I didn't really know, okay, was the offensive line for real? Had they got their kicking situation at least under control? Was the defense just kind of bored in the preseason? And that's why you kind of just saw like a flat vanilla team. Or were they getting a little complacent as they've been together for so long? And so what I was trying to figure out myself was I, I, I really needed to see a, a week one and a week two, I think, of this team before I could really get my mind around what they can be, what they are, um, where they're headed. And, you know, I think after this performance against the Falcons, I think you have to feel pretty good about them. I mean, the defense was nasty. Dalvin Cook looked great. Um, you know, they didn't have to throw the ball hardly at all. But I just think that this was the kind of well-rounded, um, in-control from the start performance that I really wasn't sure that they were capable of or not capable of heading in. So it was Definitely, I think, an encouraging sign if you're a Vikings fan. Yeah, there were plenty of those areas, as you mentioned, that we'll get to the special teams, the defense. Uh, Kirk Cousins is sort of minimal day. But let's start, of course, with Dalvin Cook and the running game. Going back all the way to last season, we knew that Mike Zimmer wanted to run the ball more. It's essentially why John DeFilippo uh, was fired and, and he moved on to Kevin Stefanski. And of course, Gary Kubiak comes to aid Stefanski and help him as he implements sort of the ro uh, zone rushing scheme. But all of that centers around Dalvin Cook. And if he's healthy, that can work. If not, it, it probably 
doesn't work. Dalvin Cook today, 21 carries, 111 rushing yards, two touchdowns, probably about as good of a performance as Vikings fans could have hoped from him. Did anything surprise you about the running game, either the team's commitment to it or the way that Dalvin Cook ran? Well, I guess I would just say that, you know, I think it was probably three carries into the game where I just was like, wow, he looks good. Like he had just a lot of burst. He's running over guys. Yeah. He's it was finishing that third runs. play thing that he yeah. just ran over one of the safeties. For yeah, the yeah, number 45 and put him on his back. But like he was just really finishing runs and then running away from guys for, for touchdowns. Um, he just had a, a juice and electricity, you know, in his game that you said, hey, maybe, you know, he didn't need the preseason at all. Fresh legs, no rust. He just jumped right in there. And I think it just really underscores how important he is to this offense. I mean, when you have a guy like that who can be that dynamic and who is dangerous to score every time he touches the ball, man, it it just makes a huge difference for them. And I think it only underscores how important it is to keep him healthy all season long, if possible, and, and, you know, avoid those soft tissue injuries and things that, that can, um, that can derail him a little bit. But uh, I think Madison looked pretty good as well, but, um, but I, I just think that having Dalvin Cook, you know, in this offense, I think he's the most important guy on this uh, offensive team, even above Kirk Cousins, above Thielen and Diggs. When you have him there, it just gives the offense an element of unpredictability. It it really will, as the season goes along, open things up for the passing game even more. And I do think it just makes things easier on the offensive line when you have that going too. So, um, yeah, he he just looked really really good um for you know not really getting a whole lot of work in the preseason yeah and I think it was noteworthy that in the locker room after the game Dalvin Cook talked about how good he felt how you know everything sort of worked out but then said look you know that's not what I have to prove I need to stay healthy I need to be on the field when I'm on the field I'm confident and feel like I can do things to help this team win but uh Dalvin Cook had played 15 games coming into today that's over the course of two full seasons so this was really his 16th game, what in essence is a full NFL season. Uh, so he still has plenty to prove there. On the flip side, you know, Mike Zimmer, you know, obviously has wanted to run the ball more and talk today about, you know, yes, we ran the ball uh, more than 75% of the time. But he said that was in part because we're going into the fourth quarter already up 28 to zero. Obviously, we're running the ball. Do you think the Vikings are going to be situational in terms of sometimes they'll play a team and feel like the best way to beat them is, is via Kirk Cousins and they're two great wide receivers. Will they always try to be close to 50-50? Will they even try to run it as much as they did today? What, what's your sense of just how the offense will, will look going forward? Well, I think that this game against the Falcons was like the absolute perfect scenario for Mike Zimmer in his eyes if he can run the ball as often as they did, uh, create turnovers, not have to kick at all. <laughs> let's just not kick, okay? Like like we've had all that drama, that. and then yeah. it was just extra points. Let, yeah, let's just not kick at all, and and let's um, have you know a special teams big play, but get out early and then let the defense pin its ears back. I think that that is like this is what Zip Mike Zimmer dreams about at night is a, <laughs> is a game playing out exactly like this now. It's not all gonna always gonna be like this. They're not always gonna jump out to a 14-0 lead right away and really be able to dictate the rules of engagement from start to finish that way. So 
I do think that Kevin Stefanski, Gary Kubiak, that offense, the, the offensive coaches understand that they have to be multiple, as they say. They have to be able to beat defenses in different ways because sometimes a team is going to load up and try and take away Dalvin Cook. Sometimes they're going to try and double Thielen and Diggs and make them make them beat you, uh, you know, through the running game. They have to be able to do both. And so, yes, I think that they will not hesitate if they are forced into getting into a shootout to do that. I think they want to avoid it at all costs. I think they want to stay as close to 50-50 as possible. And they want to, you know, they want to be a run-first team or at least a run-heavy team in, um, you know, in, in perspective with the rest of the, the league. But um, there are going to be games where Cousins has to throw it 35 times. And I think that they're going to be okay with that and they're going to adjust to that. But I just don't think you're ever going to see a point where – they totally abandoned the run right. as had happened before. Now it's obviously a lot easier to abandon the run when Dalvin cook is injured and you don't have someone of his capabilities back there. So again, as long as he stays healthy and is a factor, I think you're going to see him get the ball in some way, shape or form to give this offense some balance and make them as unpredictable as possible. Yeah. And it was interesting to hear Kirk cousins just talk about all of that. And the fact that he had, 10 passes today, which is just crazy to think about. Like, If you told me coming into the stadium today that Kirk Cousins was going to throw for fewer than 100 yards, I, I, you could have easily penciled that in for me as a bad loss for the Vikings and a rough start to the 2019 season. Uh, Kirk Cousins even joked that you know he probably hasn't thrown 10 passes or fewer since he was playing Pop Warner. He said yeah. even in high school he was throwing more than that. Uh, so it'll be interesting, you know, to see how he responds when he does inevitably have to throw the ball more. And he said there's going to be a time when we're going to, you know, be in a shootout and we're going to need to make those plays. You know, looking back at last season, that week two game at Lambeau, where the Vikings are headed next week is one of those games that stands out to me as one where Kirk Cousins had to be good. He was good, obviously. That was early in the season when the offense looked like it was rolling and the defense was not before everything flipped. Um, but it was just interesting to me to hear Kirk Cousins talk about all of that. On the flip side, the defense. Uh, they did give up two touchdowns. They did have a few penalties. But all in all, I think a pretty solid performance from them. To When you're playing Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Devontae Freeman, uh, Muhammad Sanu, to play a group like that and to not give up any points until the fourth quarter – it is something to me that they, they came out, obviously the three and out that forced the punt that turned into the block punt and really set up everything for the Vikings going forward. You wrote about the defense, John, what were some of your takeaways uh, from that unit today? Yeah. I mean, look, Anthony Harris had an unbelievable game, right? Two picks, two athletic interceptions, really reading play as well and capitalizing um, to, to kind of break the Falcons back. And so he was, certainly a standout in this game, but I, you know, I thought that Anthony Barr was terrific, especially mm-hmm. early. I mean, you talk about a guy who we all know the story of, you know, turns down more money with the Jets, comes back to be here in a place where he's comfortable, in a place where the coach believes in him unconditionally, um, and then comes out of the gates with a sack on the first play. Um, you know, then he's he's hurrying, and then he chases down Matt Ryan, 
yeah. uh, forces a punt. Th- that's a huge play. Huge we do look back on it that I kind of forget about that. Yeah. Matt Ryan is pretty much breaking free for a first down, and the Falcons are going to be marching. The block punt's not going to happen. Yep. That, that's a huge one to look back on. Yeah, he can't. so he tracked them down from behind and caught him before they, they did force the punt that Eric Wilson blocks. Then on the, you know, the second series, he has um, a quarterback hurry um, that forces a throw that, that was inaccurate. Third series, same thing. Like he's, he's in the quarterback's face. And you did see Mike Zimmer, I think, give him a few more rush opportunities than he's had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he, he was certainly a factor in that aspect. He was a factor in, in, in the, um, just in, in keeping defenders and or, uh, offensive players in front of him. He just did a little bit of everything today. And it, it reminds you, you know, in this day and age where defenses pay their shutdown corners, their pass rushing defensive ends first, and then maybe they give some money to a run stuffing defensive tackle or maybe a safety or something like that. Linebackers kind of are, are a little more marginalized mm-hmm. in, in this for sure in this era. And um, they the Vikings still paid Anthony Barr a heck of a lot of money because they think that he just does so many things to help so many other people out. And I thought today was a perfect indication of that. Yeah. And I did wonder when he turned down all of that money where the Jets, you know, showed him that they were going to make him a pass rusher. He was going to be blitzing, really doing all of the fun things that a linebacker would want to do. If whether a Mike Zimmer came to him and said, you know, look, we know that you have all the tools we do want to let you rush the passer more and set up plays like that first play of today's game, or whether it be if Rick Spielman ever said to Mike Zimmer, like, yeah, we can put in this money and go sign this linebacker, but you got to let him rush the passer. Either way, a pretty good day for the Vikings defensive line. They got four sacks from four different players, Winval Joseph in on the mix, uh, Everson and Griffin uh, and Daniel Hunter, each with their own. So uh, a solid day on the pass rush. And then on the back end, I think one of the interesting things that Mike Zimmer said was about Anthony Harris, who you brought up. And Anthony Harris, of course, was a backup at the start of last year and really has climbed his way up and, and showed that he deserves this spot after Sandejo's injury last season when he solidified himself as a starter by playing really well and said that now that he and Harrison Smith have played so long together, they can kind of look at each other and and do more things and have Harrison come up and creep up to the line and trust that Harris knows what to do behind him or vice versa, even now that uh, Anthony Harris is getting so confident that he's looking over Harrison Smith like, yeah, I know you're great at the line, but I want to go give a stab at, you know, tackling the, the quarterback or doing whatever. So, um, a, a good all-around day, I think, for the defense. But going forward, you know, obviously they're going to have their hands full next week uh, against the Green Bay Packers, who we all watched on Thursday night. Yeah, well, I don't know if the Packers looked like they looked against the Bears. Maybe <laughs> this will be a cakewalk compared to Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Who knows? But yeah, they, I mean, whenever you go on the road, it's going to be tougher. But I think the, one of the interesting things about Anthony Harris you know, in the locker room, we talked to Eric Hendricks and Linval Joseph and Barr and Rhodes and all these guys, and they all just have so much respect for the grind that he has put in. He came in, he was a practice squad guy, you know, he's elevated, he's dealt with a few injuries that have, that have kind of prevented him from really taking hold of that position before. And, and now he is here in that opportunity and he has it and he's making plays and they're all just so happy for me. And Kendrick said um, that he, he got emotional just thinking about what Anthony Harris has done to, to get himself in position to be such an important part of this Vikings defense. And, and that's just kind of, 
I think indicative of the connectedness, if that's a word, of the entire defense. I mean, most of these guys have been around each other for multiple, multiple years. And in a league with so much turnover, that's rare. And I I just, it feels like there's a, a chemistry. It feels like there's a bond with these guys that should help them. Because as Zimmer said earlier in this pre, in, in the preseason, it's really hard to play defense these, these days with all the rules set against you and, and all that. So the, their, their main chance is to have all of these guys on the same page. And other than the, um, the penalties, I think they, you, you can really say that they look like they were on the same page tonight. Yeah, Mike Zimmer did say that he was going to harp quite a bit on those penalties for different neutral zone infractions. Uh, I think all of them even gave the Falcons first down. Yeah. Uh, Hercules Mata'afa had one. Everson Griffin had one. That They weren't limited to just one player. So Zimmer said that's going to be one area that he really focuses on this week before uh, the Packer, or the Vikings visit the Packers. Although that could just be because there really are not that many issues that the Vikings feel like they need to address after this game. Uh, but, you know, uh, one area I can't believe we're – this early into a show and going to talk about mm. special teams, especially after a, a pretty perfect performance from the team. But special teams, Britton Colquitt, the, the new punter who's been on the team for six days, comes in, booms a couple of punts, looks really good. Um, I can't believe I had to pay attention to the holding on some <laughs> of the extra points. But hey, the guy's a pretty good holder, it seems. As Dan, he said. <laughs> as he has said. He, he is, to me, maybe the best quote on the Vikings right now. He's so funny. He's He's got a great sense of humor. He delivered Kirk Cousins, Kyle Rudolph, Adam Thielen, uh, some bodybuilding jerseys. He called them some real tight things with uh, basically just string that connects uh, that they can wear in the gym. So he's brought a sense of humor um, to the Vikings, which, you know, probably I, I think is not a bad thing. They've, they've been bringing these young kickers and punters into an organization, into a situation where with a head coach where there's just so much pressure on special teams. So it's kind of interesting for them to bring in a Super Bowl winner, a veteran uh, who's relaxed about the whole situation. But still, the the biggest standout uh, of special teams was probably the blocked punt. Marwin Maloof, the new special teams coordinator, uh, was very good at drawing them up when he was in Miami. The Vikings, meanwhile, have not been very good at drawing them. This was their first punt block in five years since that game where uh, Adam Thielen blocked it and then picked it up himself, scooped and scored. Uh, so when you look back, you know, this game got out of you know control pretty quickly and the Vikings had a pretty commanding lead before halftime. But when you look back, you, you mentioned Barr making that stop that forced the punt. How big was that punt block to set up the Vikings? Yeah, huge, I think. I mean, uh, you what, everything that this that the game swings so wildly and violently with um you know, turnovers and and big plays like that. And so to be able to kind of come out at first series of the game, sack, three and out, then get that punt block, I mean, the momentum just starts to shift in such a measurable way and the avalanche starts coming down the mountain. And it just puts, I think, a, a road team especially on its heels early. And it's hard to play on the road when you're playing, you know, from behind. And so... Um, Eric Wilson made a you know incredibly athletic play. I think Harris was the one who recovered it mm-hmm. um, and and um, and got them to uh, in, into position. And then uh, to the offense's credit, they were able to cash in and go right you know right into the end zone and score. So um, they just 
took care of business. It felt like that. And I think that the more of those turnovers and special teams, big plays that they can create, the easier that it's going to make it on themselves because we still don't know exactly how this offensive line is going to work long-term. I mean, I think even in only those 10 dropbacks, I think Cousins made a couple of great throws, but also he was under duress mm-hmm. quite a bit too. Sacked and, once on them. Yeah, and so um, to mitigate those concerns and to make it um, so that you're not relying on Cousins dropping back 40 times a game and, and getting kind of um, hammered by the opposing defense – you have to have, you know, those block punts. You have to have those three and outs. You have to have that kind of um, control of the game. And they just, they they never lost control of it. They gave up a few plays in the fourth quarter, but the game was really already over by then. And so uh, if they can do the same in Green Bay, they'll be in great shape. I mean, you just just this kind of the way that they were able to grab a hold of the shirt collars and never let go. Um, yeah, that's, that's just going to be, it's going to be imperative for them going forward. And I think your point on Colquitt is well-founded. I think that they need a little bit of comic relief in a group that has just been a joke to, to be honest. I mean, so I think he's going to come in and, and help. I mean, he, he really kicked the heck out of the ball on a couple of those punts. And so maybe that'll help too. And maybe just that veteran poise and knowing what to listen to and what not to uh, will will be a big help to that whole special teams group, which has been such a mess for the last few years. It was funny even listening to him talk about Dan Bailey, who Dan Bailey is super quiet and reserved. And he was saying, you know, just talking about building that relationship. And he was like, at one point I had to stop and say, like, this guy hears me, right? Like, he's not even <laughs> saying anything back to me. Yeah. Uh, so a funny relationship between those two. Uh, It does feel a bit like nitpicking to look at an area of concern perhaps from this game. But one of the themes from these Monday podcasts that we're going to do uh, after all of the games is pick out an area of concern and a biggest standout. So I've got two potential areas of concern. So maybe I'll let you go first Um, as you look as the Vikings go forward after a pretty commanding win. As I head to Green Bay now, what is your biggest area of concern for the Vikings? I guess my, I would say my area of concern is that it's not always going to be this easy. You right. know, I think that especially in week ones, you, you look at this and you say, oh, shoot. I mean, Vikings are never going to lose a game. Like, it's right. gonna, you know, this is going to happen all the time. Let's, let's face it. They, they hadn't blocked a punt in five years. They're not going to block a punt every week. Um, you know, they're, they're not going to be up 14 to nothing before you even blink. And yeah. that allows your offense to really dictate the rules of engagement and allows your defense to really pin their ears back. There's going to be adversity. There's going to be times where they're going to have to do things that they're not comfortable doing. How do they handle that? And so it doesn't mean that they can't do it. It doesn't mean that they won't, but it's just, you know, for me, it's like a, it's a, it's a point where I just pump the brakes a little bit and just say, Hey guy, you, the, just next week, they could be getting strafed by Aaron Rodgers and right. and have to, you know, Cousins is going to have to throw for 450. Like that, that stuff is going to come up. And so it's just kind of less of a concern and more of like a word of caution. Like, hey, you know, everything unfolded almost 
perfectly for them this week. And that's just not going to happen all the time. Yeah. Mike Zimmer talks a lot about facing adversity and they faced no, no. adversity today. Yeah. They didn't have to kick a field goal like at all. <laughs> There's their adversity. You know, like, 28 yeah. kick a field goal's yeah. adversity for this team. Yeah. Uh, I, I do have two areas, perhaps of a little bit concern. I think all things are mitigated, you know, since it is still September and this was just week one. But uh, I do want to see a little bit more of how the offensive line is going to do, especially in pass protection, especially the interior yeah. of the offensive line. Pat Elfline, I think, has just been okay in preseason, probably just okay today. Garrett Bradbury, I, I wasn't too impressed with. He wasn't asked to do a ton in pass protection and picking up blitzes and things like that. Um, but I still think that he can get a lot better. And I think, frankly, you know, it, it's troublesome that the Vikings' weakness on the offensive line is the interior part of the offensive line because in their division, they play some really good defensive tackles, starting with Kenny Clark, who just ravaged the Bears last Thursday night. So that, to me, is a spot that I'll have to keep my eye on, I think, going into Green Bay. Um, and the other spot, to me, is, is at Nickelback. The Vikings do not have a lot of depth at cornerback. That's something that we've mm-hmm. talked a lot about, in part because Mike Hughes is still recovering from uh, the ACL injury that cut short his rookie season, and also because Holton Hill has suspended the first eight games of this season. So he's not around the facility, and he can't do anything to help. And then tonight, or today, uh, Mackenzie Alexander goes uh, and suffers an injury that is going to require an MRI tomorrow. He had a brace on in the locker room. It doesn't look Super positive. It seems like he'll probably have to miss one, maybe more games. And if that's the case, uh, the Vikings can't have Mike Hughes get back fast enough. He he looked very good at the start of his season um, last season before the ACL injury. And he has returned to practice, which is a good sign. But the Vikings, you know, they got an injury today at one sport that at one spot that they can really ill afford to lose anybody. Yeah, I mean, especially going into next week against Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and that whole group. I mean, you're going to need cover guys, and and that will even put more onus on the pass rush to get home, uh, like they did against the Falcons. Is I mean, when you have Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin looked really good, and um, and and Barr and and all those guys. They, they're going to have to make sure that the guys on the back end, and especially those nickel corners, don't have to cover for four or five seconds. And so um, that is, the, you're right. I mean, d- defensive back depth has been, like, it's one of their thinnest positions. And then Mackenzie Alexander, who was playing well, who had a good preseason, to have that injury, it's, it's uh, one of the worst uh, areas that they could suffer one right now. All right, that's it for the negatives. It was a great game. So let's move now to a standout from the game. And there's a lot of players that you could choose from. We've talked about several of them already. But I think I'll go uh, with a player who we talked a little bit about in the athletic in our game preview and our season previews, uh, being Xavier Rhodes. Mm -hmm. Xavier Rhodes was called out by his own coach going back to March, saying that his 2018 was not nearly good enough. Everybody knows how good he was in 2017, probably the best corner in all of the NFL, but really slipped off last season. Mike Zimmer has has talked a lot about how he needs to get a lot better, and his task started with a very tough matchup today going up against Julio Jones. He was on it for most of the game, not every snap. Xavier Rhodes did miss a few snaps uh, with injuries, but for the most part, he was on Julio Jones, a wide receiver who, when not playing against the Minnesota Vikings, averages 104 yards. Uh, entering this game against Xavier Rhodes in three contests, had averaged 54 yards. 
today, even though he caught six passes, limited to only 31 yards. So uh, it, it's going to be a very big season for Xavier Rhodes. He's certainly not in the clear yet. You mentioned Devontae Adams next week. He gets a little bit of a break now that he doesn't have to face Antonio Brown week three against the Raiders. Uh, but he's got a long ways to go. But this was, um, I think, a very good first step for Xavier Rhodes. It was a good one. And, and you know, he, I think he had one, he gave up one kind of big play. And I don't know if it was on him, essentially. But um, there was there was one play where uh, one of the receivers got, got free for, for a bigger gain. But um, that's going to happen. And, yes, I think that he battled Julio. It was, you know, a huge, just big, fast, strong dude that is so hard to handle and for whatever reason Xavier Rhodes really seems to have his number and so that was yeah another very good sign I think for this Vikings defense is that they came out and Xavier did play so well I think you know Trey Waynes played well Harrison Smith played well um you know uh so that yeah that was absolutely something that he can build on and they're going to need to keep him him to continue being that shutdown corner that he was two years ago. And now the pressure's on you to pick your standout after all of those players you've named, Dalvin Cook, Anthony yeah. Harris, Anthony Barr. Who are you going with as, as a standout from today's game? Yeah, you know, um, we, I, I, we've, we've talked so much about Dalvin and Barr and, and, and those guys. I'm going to just say that um, under the radar, I'm going to say that I liked what I saw from Alexander Madison. Like, yeah. um, when you talk about how important it is for Dalvin Cook to be healthy, uh, and, and it is, I thought that Madison hit the hole hard uh, today, had a couple of really nice big gains, and he is going to be crucial for them in terms of, you know, I'm an NBA guy, so the load management stuff where you got to, yeah, I mean, you want the ball in Dalvin's hands a lot, but you also want to mitigate some of that injury concern by not making him an unbelievable, you know, a workhorse. And so if you can have Madison as another guy who can come in and pick up big chunks of yardage in the running game, that's a that's going to be a big help for them uh, throughout to to go through the course of a long, you know, physical grinding season and have you know a one two punch like Dalvin Cook and Madison to to kind of throw at other teams. And he showed today that he can be more than just a short yardage yeah. running back, which I think the Vikings envisioned him as when they drafted him. But broke free a twenty three yard run today, uh, forty nine yards on nine carries. So. Uh, a good day for Alexander Madison. Well, that will do it for another episode of the Straight Cash Podcast. Thank you, John, for joining the show, and hopefully you can get a trip to young Joni in soon. If you like our show, we'd love it if you could rate us and leave a review. And as a reminder, we have a weekly bonus episode for subscribers only found exclusively on the Athletic app. If you're not a subscriber, you can get 40% off at theathletic.com slash straightcash. Thanks for listening.